to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk All Around Sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Where's America listeners? Welcome to my 306th ever show of All Around Sports. Reach Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. We broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this weekend and what's ahead for this week. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144. Or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. Which comes to me through my website at iirsportsoneword.com. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items. Also, we will be joined next segment by our weekly call in expert, AP Stedham. Well, my highlight of the week is easily the University of Maryland, Baltimore County, becoming the first 16 seed ever to beat a number one seed. And not just a number one seed, but an overall number one seed at that, beating, of course, the University of Virginia on Friday. And it was just an epic, epic upset, the biggest upset in college basketball history, without a doubt. And again, to repeat, first time ever. A 16 seed has beaten a one seed and again made all the more dramatic by the fact that it was the overall number one seed in the entire tournament. Uh, Number one uh, for a long time throughout the season. And not only did they beat him, they beat him by 20. This was not some just crazy buzzer beater. Uh, At the end of the day, what jumped out at me was not so much how many points uh, UMBC scored, but how many points University of Virginia scored, which was not a lot, uh, 52, I believe, and you're not going to win anything with 52 points in an NCAA game. And Virginia, of course, has been touted in recent years uh, for having basically the best defense in the country, uh, but they gave up... Uh, in the 70s to UMBC, so it was just remarkable to witness. Uh, You kind of felt it was coming. Uh, Each year, it seems like a lower seed goes, it gets one rung lower each year as as the tournaments pass, and it was just uh, setting up, but I can't imagine anything more dramatic than, again, beating an overall number one seed. And a team, by the way, that had, you know, won the Atlantic Coast Conference regular season, won the postseason championship, uh, beating North Carolina, and uh, who, by the way, was exposed a bit last night, getting trounced by uh, Texas A&M. They also lost by, like, 20, of course, North Carolina is the defending national champion. So, uh, again, just remarkable to watch. Uh, UMBC 
is down in the history books. You know, it just reminded me that going way back, you know, I think we all still remember just the name Chaminade from beating this same University of Virginia team many years ago when they had Ralph Sampson out in the uh, uh, holiday tournament that they have every year out there in Maui. And, uh, you know, so this stuff sticks. It sticks with both teams forever. So UMBC will be remembered forever uh, for winning. And, of course, Virginia will be remembered forever for losing. And uh, so it was quite the highlight to what was just my bizarre story of the week, which is also easy with just the entire weekend of March Madness. It truly lived up to the name March Madness. Uh, Don't have to go back very far. Basically last evening, last night, with crazy second half comebacks by Nevada over number two seed Cincinnati. They were down 16 with 10 minutes or so to go. Uh, They come back and won, so it was the second largest comeback in NCAA history. Florida State over number one seed, Xavier. Keep in mind that both Cincinnati and Xavier, the two teams that lost, are both from the city of Cincinnati. Uh, so they're not loving Nashville, where the games were played very much in, that, in Cincinnati today, that's for sure. Uh, Florida State, again, mounted a terrific comeback in the second half to beat Xavier. So it was just uh, incredible. Uh, to witness. Uh, As I mentioned earlier, Texas A&M had their way with the defending champ, North Carolina Tar Heels. Syracuse beat favored Michigan State. Uh, Tough to call any Syracuse win over anybody. Uh, An an upset, especially this time of year. Syracuse uh, knows how to show up at tournament time, to say the least. Uh, but the darling of the tournament, especially now that UMBC is out, and again, they'll always be remembered no matter what goes on. But the darling of the tournament, uh, aside from them, uh, so far, of course, is Loyola of Chicago with two massive upsets uh, to head to the Sweet 16. Uh, they'll be going up against Nevada. Uh, so two Cinderella's, so to speak. And uh, so that should be a fascinating game to watch. Of course, they have their team chaplain. uh, And she's 92 years old, a nun, and getting plenty of airtime. She is, uh, you know, uh, the heart and soul of that team. You could tell the way that players went over to her after victory, uh, how much she means to them. Uh, let's also not forget just the sheer excitement. It's all always about buzzer beaters. Michigan's buzzer beater on Friday night was spectacular. Um, so it's just been really, really a terrific weekend. Maybe the best ever first weekend. Uh, there's nothing quite like it. Uh, in all of sports, just four days, especially for Thursday and Friday when there's uh, 16 games, two days in a row, and you, you just know there's going to be upsets, and there were 
more than ever this weekend. Basically, the lower seeds uh, went 15 and 33 over the entire four-day period, if my math is right. Uh, that's just an incredible number. What we're saying is 15 times uh, the lower seed uh, come up with a victory. So that's nothing short of remarkable. Uh, and speaking of the NCAA, of course, the NCAA Eastern Regional is coming right here to Boston this Friday with Villanova versus West Virginia and Texas Tech playing Purdue. So a lot of excitement already building here in Boston. Uh, comes every few years. Uh, I've covered a few that have been here. Nothing like it. They were in Providence as well. Been down there. And it's really just a, a tremendous take, uh, to say the least. So if there's any regionals coming up in your area, I highly recommend uh, going. It's really just terrific. Lastly, my low light of the week is Tiger not closing as well as we would have liked uh, yesterday in the last few holes at the Arnold Palmer Bay Hill Classic. Uh, but he played great all weekend long. And first 12 to 15 holes were terrific yesterday. He was in the hunt at one point getting right up there to second place. Uh, and even though it didn't go well in the last few holes, he has still raised expectations, uh, to unbelievable levels for the masters. And, uh, so now he's not going to play again until the masters. Hard to believe it's only in a few weeks here. And, uh, so he had just, again, a great tournament. That's two in a row, both in Florida, Valspar and near Tampa, Bay Hill in Orlando, and now Tiger's uh, healthy, and next up we'll see him at the Masters. Props to Rory McIlroy, by the way, uh, for having just a spectacular final round. His putting yesterday was sensational, and it was just really uh, a pleasure to see him. So Rory winning yesterday. Phil Mickelson winning a couple weeks ago down in Mexico City. Tiger playing well. Uh, looks like we got going to have some really big names uh, coming into the Masters. So it's going to be fun, as always. No doubt about it. So now let's take our break, and next up will be our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham. So don't go anywhere. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Join Matt Fish and Alex Clancy every week for Rebound Radio. We'll talk with the legends of basketball about how they got started, their rise to the top of the game, how basketball has changed their lives, and what they're up to now. Just like the game itself, you'll find that lives can pivot on a dime. There can be last-minute saves, and life is anything but run-of-the-mill. Rebound Radio can be heard live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. You won't want to miss the next show. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show... The call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, longtime media personality based in Alabama who covers the University of Alabama, among many other teams and sports, uh, joins us now. And A.P., how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing great, John. How are you? I'm doing great as well. Uh, pretty nice day up here in Boston, given that there's still snow on the ground from our most recent nor'easter, but not something you're having to deal with down in Alabama, I'm guessing. No, just a little bit of rain today, a little overcast and some rain. Oh, that sounds pretty good to me, I'll tell you. Uh, <laughs> it's been a long winter with March again causing problems up here in New England. Uh, but like I said, it's nice and sunny today, so that helps. And, uh, you know, I mentioned Alabama, who you have covered for years. And, of course, talking March Madness NCAA tournament and Alabama uh, was in the dance. Uh, ousted in the first round, but it was great that they got there. Yes, absolutely. I was thrilled that Alabama was back into the dance since uh, 2012. That's a long time between tournaments. And I always said that college basketball is a tournament sport. I mean, to be considered successful, you have to be one of those 68-plus teams that makes it into the tournament. So Alabama uh, was fortunate. They won their first game, the 8-9 matchup against Virginia Tech. And... uh, you know, that was the first one they've had since, oh my goodness, I think it was 2006. So that's that's quite a while since they even had a win in the tournament. But they played well, and the flow of the game was in their favor, but uh, the second game, they, it wasn't, they weren't so fortunate. Correct, correct. Well, it's really important to get there. It just, uh, you know, you just cannot overstate uh you know, what that means for recruiting and all types of, uh, you know, all types of benefits that generate from simply making it to the tournament. So, you know, good for them. I, w- I was thinking of you and thrilled that they did get in. And uh, But what a weekend. Uh, you know, what jumped out at you? And there's so many things to choose from. It's... Uh, you know, it just seems endless here on Monday morning. I would say, John, it's the double-digit victories against some of these 
number one and two, three seeds. I think it was incredible. I've just watched the tournament for decades, and I have never seen so many teams at the top just fall flat on their face. Right, right. I know. I mean, North Carolina, we'll start with them, the defending national champion, getting beat by 20 or so by Texas A&M, never in the game, really. Uh, that, that was just something to see. And then, uh, of course, the big one, uh, University of Maryland, Baltimore County, a phrase that I was not familiar with until uh, Friday evening, I must admit. And I'm guessing uh, there's tens of millions would have to join me on that one. Um, they pulled off the biggest upset in the history of college basketball. There is no other way to say it. Um, it was just an incredible uh, thing to witness. And they won by 20. And they didn't just beat, become the first ever 16 seed to beat a one seed. It was the overall number one seed, the number one seed in the entire tournament. Uh, you truly can make this stuff up. And, of course, you know, by simply a name that many people honestly just hadn't heard of, a uh, college that many people didn't know exist, millions of people, until they literally pulled off the upset. It wasn't like it was a 16 seed who happens to be a name that everybody recognizes. This was... Just a storybook as as it's ever been, without a doubt. John, I find the irony in this whole situation that everyone now knows the name of Chaminade. Correct. In the University of Maryland, uh, Baltimore County, because of right. the it's University it. of Virginia. I mean, those are, I think, if I had to, top of my head, and someone asked me the two greatest upsets ever in college basketball it would involve only three schools, Virginia, right. Chaminade, and the University of Maryland, Baltimore County. Yeah, and it's funny you would say that because in the first segment, what I said uh, in today's show was that here all these years later, uh, and one of the first things I thought about on Friday night as I was watching it unfold was, uh, was the fact that I, you know, I and everybody else but with any interest in college basketball, always remember this, the name Chaminade, as you did, as you just did, uh, purely because of that one game, whatever, 20, 30 years ago, and that was out in Maui, and uh, and I, I think the name is it's going to be generally the same for UMBC. Uh, you're just going to remember that name, despite the fact it's a mouthful. Uh, for the rest, you know, we're all going to remember it for the rest of our lives, and. Uh, that's what one victory can do because, again, Chaminade's such a classic example, and the fact it was Virginia and Ralph Sampson that they beat makes it all the more fascinating. Because, uh, yeah, Chaminade is, uh, again, it's part of the lexicon and has been for most of our adult life because of uh, that one game, and now that's all transferred to UMBC. So I'm getting better at saying UMBC, by the way. <laughs> it's taken all weekend long, um, but I'm, I'm finally starting to say it with ease. Yeah, it is, John. It's it's a mouthful, but I it was I just I couldn't even dream this up. When you're looking at your bracket, you're you're thinking of upsets. There's no way you could envision 
20 plus points between Virginia and uh, UMBC. And one thing I, when I watch Virginia, I mean, and they let's let's make this statement that they were 17 and one regular season in the ACC, beating uh, Carolina and Duke and all these other teams, and right. winning the the league title, the conference title, the tournament title for the league. And you have trouble playing University of Maryland, uh, you know, BC. Uh, it, it was astonishing. There's no other word I can use to describe uh, how they, they beat Virginia, the number one overall seed. And But when I watched Virginia, I noticed that they're an excellent team. Uh, I think I saw them in the championship of their league. But I, there was no one on the team I feared, you know, no one individual athletically. Right but they were just great together as a unit. And that's a really good point. You, you know, as good as Virginia is, and I'm not going to profess to be an expert on knowing all there is to know about college basketball, but, you know, there, there, there's not a name off the number one team in the country, formerly Virginia, that I know right off the top of my head. So, you know, that says a little something. Uh, but, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, amazing that, you know, you felt like maybe this was the year. Virginia does not have a good tournament history, uh, but you just felt like this was the year. And I mean Virginia under Tony Bennett, uh, their coach. You know, you just felt that this was the year, given the teams they were beating in the ACC. You just said it perfectly, both regular season and winning the conference, postseason winning the tournament, beating North Carolina in the championship game. And you just thought, well, this is finally, you know, this is the year that they kind of take that next step. And, boy, the exact opposite occurred. So they just have to be devastated. Um, a lot of people are saying, you know, their game, which is based on being the best defense in the country, doesn't translate. And here we go. They only scored 52 points, and they gave up uh, over 70 to UMBC. So it's crazy. You, you truly can't make this stuff up. No, no, and I think, yes, you could win a lot of games playing defense in college basketball, but in the end, John, uh, you're not going to hold these teams at 50, 60 points on a hot night, so you better have an answer. Can you play a different style? Can you change defensively and press and run and, and try to generate some offense in a different manner than you're accustomed? And Virginia showed they could not. Tony Bennett, fabulous coach. Uh, anybody would be lucky to have him. And I'd just like to say one other thing about Coach Bennett, that that was just the class uh, presentation and the interview he did following the uh, the loss. I mean, you know, he had to be heartbroken for his team. But that's become something uh, unusual in today's world where people always show class, win, lose, or draw. So, my, my, I would salute those type of people who can uh, get on camera and always maintain their integrity and dignity, and uh, you know have have a, a appreciation for the other team as well. Yeah, he's a very impressive guy. He really is. And the one thing you have to say about Virginia is, you know, they're a likable team. They're a likable program, and he's a very likable coach. Like you know, as we all know. You know, there's a lot of Duke haters out there, things like that. But Virginia's not yeah. one of those teams. A lot of Carolina. You know, there's a lot of teams that have tremendous fan bases, but an equal amount of uh, of 
fans who don't like them because of who they are. And Virginia, one of the top programs of recent years, certainly in the regular season. Uh, you know, they're, they're a little vanilla in that I, I don't know that there's super strong feelings one way or the other. Uh, once you get outside of the actual Virginia fan base. But, yeah, again, they're, you know, they're generally likable. And uh, so, you know, I, there is a part of me feels bad for them. I really thought they were going to, you know, do well this year. I really did. I was thinking Final Four for sure. Yeah, they won their conference tournament job. So there was right. something to hang your hat on when you make those types of predictions and projections. But but they, the other team, you know, they had a good offensive day and Virginia couldn't counter. So that's what happened to a team that usually plays that low-scoring affair. They, they just couldn't overcome a basketball team that showed no, showed no fear and was effective uh, offensively. Right, and I watched that ACC championship game against North Carolina, who had just beaten Duke the night before, by the way, down in Madison Square Garden, and uh, or Barclay Center, excuse me, in Brooklyn. And what really impressed me, and the reason I thought Virginia was really going to make a run, was how strong they closed out, uh, how strong they were at the end of the game to close out North Carolina. And, you know, again, North Carolina, the defending national champions. Uh, and Virginia just ran away with it, generally speaking, uh, in the final couple of minutes. And uh, so, yeah, I just thought, you know, well, they're ready to take that next step in the tournament. And I, I'm guessing a lot of people thought that way. So, yeah, it's just uh, it's just incredible. And, and oh, by the way, you know, I grew up not all that far from Baltimore. I know the University of Maryland well. I know the city of Baltimore well. And I guess the campus is located out near BWI, the airport. And I know the airport well. So for me, you know, for me to be from the mid-Atlantic region, shall we say, know the area, the city, the university and everything well, for me to not even as much as know the, of their existence uh, makes it all the more shocking to me that they pulled it off. It really does. Just a little aside. Yeah, I'd heard of them before, John, winning that conference, I think, one other time, I believe. Oh, okay. The yeah, tournament. they did. Yeah I, I, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know how many times they've been in tournament, but I think there was one other time because uh, I think that was the same league, actually, as Central Connecticut State University. I'm familiar with them. So that I would explain the it. Same conference. I think that's the same conference, I believe. Oh, but well. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was great, though. It was, it, it was fun. Yeah, I'm impressed. I'm impressed. Uh, and they were impressive, and they looked good again last night. They did lose, uh, you know, but they played really an excellent game and, you know, truly had uh, nothing to be ashamed of by any means in the way that they lost last night. So, uh, But they're in the history books forever, no doubt about it. So good for them. And AP... Lots more to get to. I think we feel just scratched the surface, but uh, why don't we take our break now? And we'll get to some more March Madness on the other side.
follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480 294 6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Are you ready for a broad look at everything to do with the world of sports? If so, tune in to the Mike Abadir Show. It's a unique perspective to the connections between sports and business. Host Mike Abadir has negotiated numerous deals in the NFL. Along with co-host Gino Bacola, Mike will bring his expertise, discussion, and some terrific guests to the airwaves. Listen live for the Mike Abadir Show every Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show... The call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham, media personality in the great state of Alabama, who has covered Alabama and many others for years. And A.P., we were talking, uh, of course, March Madness in the our first segment together, and uh but we hardly scratched the surface, and you you opened it up by talking about how the top seeds, many of them blue bloods, got just blown out. And we didn't really go into detail because we got tied up with UBMC's, UMBC's massive upset of Virginia. Uh, but yeah, a sample of some of those games that we're talking about, AP, is... Uh, most notably, defending champ North Carolina, losing by 20 or so to Texas A&M, and they just got manhandled. Uh, 
And, uh, you know, it, it just seemed to happen throughout. And then other big names that fell, of course, were top seeds, Michigan State, uh, number one seed, Xavier, number two seed, Cincinnati, and, uh, you know, on and on. And then on the flip side, we have Loyola, Chicago, and Nevada, and the Sweet 16. So what a weekend. Yeah, John, I mean, that that's what still is just stuck in my mind uh, because of the, the double-digit losses. I mean, it just wasn't a, a jump shot at the end, a free throw, a missed handling of the basketball to give the other team a chance. I mean, it was just total annihilation, I mean, of defending national champion North Carolina. And then Michigan State, this is the third straight year they haven't uh, made it to the Sweet 16. So that's kind of, you know, like a cloud over Tom Izzo with all these other things happening at the university. He's he's having trouble in the NCAA tournament, and his record against some of the top coaches is horrendous. I think I heard something, you know, 2-23 and 23 against some of these blue blood type programs that he competes against during the season and in the tournament. So, uh, I don't, you know, they were exposed once again, uh, Syracuse in that zone. I mean, you, you have to have an answer for that zone. I mean, you got to come out with something different than taking, I think, 37 threes. I mean, that's an outrageous number. You're not making those shots. So you, and you continue to do the same thing. There's no adjustments. Uh, you're supposed to be a Hall of Fame type coach. I, I don't know. Yeah, well, clearly they've had a lot of distractions in uh, recent weeks, to say the least. And, you know, I can't even call any win by Syracuse and upset anymore. I never will again after this. You know, I don't care what the seed is and what the, what their seed is or what the seed of the opponent is or how blue their blood is. Syracuse winning any NCAA tournament game is just never an upset. Just that simple. And I think I, I learned that lesson early on because uh, many years ago when Carmelo Anthony was a freshman, I went to the NCAA's opening round here in Boston, and I watched Syracuse. Uh, again, Carmelo Anthony was a freshman, uh, and I watched them win their first two games here and, of course, went on to their first-ever national championship with Jim Beheim. And uh, from that moment on, AP, I've, I've never you know, been surprised by any Syracuse victory in basketball, ever. No, Syracuse, I mean, they're, they're so used to playing in, in these games, John. As you said, I mean, they're, they're comfortable uh, because they you know, they played in the Big East for years, now the ACC. Right. Jim Beheim has, has had all that experience playing in, the, in these big games. So when you see him on the bench, he never looks nervous, does he? Never. Absolutely never. Uh, he is I mean, he, someone who's really been around the block. Yeah, he always seems at ease, and that's a that's a that's very big for me when you're watching the coach and how they're interacting with their players before the game, during the game. I mean, you've seen Kentucky when John Calipari was undefeated; his teams played tight, he looked tight, and the result was disastrous. So, I'm always interested in watching the coach and his body language in a big game. Yeah, and it's been interesting with Jim Beheim. You know, um, it, he's now pretty much in second place behind, of course, Coach K, Mike Shashevsky at Duke, 
for, you know, most wins ever in uh, men's college basketball. So, you know, he's just been around for so long that, uh, you know, he just simply has, yeah, I, I hate to say, you know, he's kind of snuck up there because uh, he's been such a presence for so long. Uh, but here he is, and, you know, he's pretty much, uh, you know, behind Coach K is basically the winningest college men's basketball coach of all time. So I think that just about says it all. He's been there, whatever, 30-plus years, I'm guessing, or thereabouts. So, yeah, he, he's, you know, he, he certainly doesn't get nervous. You, you, you said it perfectly, he, and his team doesn't either, most importantly. No, and the only thing about I would say about Jim Beheim, and he has that system of the zone on defense, and if you had to critique his, his career, you'd say you, you wish that he had other elements to his defense because you want to make adjustments if, if the zone's not working. How do you pressure the other team? It means if you're going to just stay in that zone, they're going to let the clock tick away. So, I mean, you'd like to see a little bit more uh, versatility in his style of coaching. Correct. Correct. Um yeah, and then, you know, it was interesting, speaking of high-profile coaches, interesting to watch Roy Williams, who seemed, uh, you know, extra emotional after their uh, harsh defeat to Texas A&M yesterday. Uh, again, can't overemphasize this enough. They were the defending national champions from last year. And, uh, you know, but he just... Uh, he was saying all the right things, but he, you know, not a guy who shows a lot of emotion, but he sure seemed pretty emotional after that loss yesterday. Yeah, they mean the defending national champion, you know, different players, of course, uh, but they went out with a whimper. I mean, that's not the characteristic of a championship type program. So I'm sure he was sad for them. And, and it always hurts when you, you that's your last game, but it, it really can hang with you for a while when it was, it was such a poor performance. Right, right, exactly. So I have to ask you, AP, what are, you, what are your thoughts on the Loyola Chicago uh, team? I mean, they're, you know, with their team chaplain, the, the 92-year-old nun, uh, they're they're quite the story, and the whole city of Chicago is just uh, on fire over Loyola. Yes, yeah, uh, John. Somebody mentioned that to me to watch out for Loyola of Chicago, and I was thinking back, my goodness, that was way back in the '60s where they had a very good team, I believe. So uh, that that was really the first time that I can recall hearing their name in the college basketball tournament. But my goodness, they proved a worthy opponent by winning two games and reaching the Sweet 16. They sure did. Buzzer beater in the opening round on Thursday. Uh, it was awesome. The guy nailed it from way beyond the top of the arc. Uh, and that was just classic. I was actually listening to it on the radio, thank goodness. And, uh, yeah, I, I mean, that just basically got the whole buzzer beater thing going for the weekend. That really was like kind of the kickoff to the tournament. And uh, it's a great story. You, you know, you can't help but uh, like them. And then, of course, they're playing another uh, Cinderella in Nevada in the Sweet 16. Nevada, of course, had uh, 
just the incredible comeback uh, yesterday to beat number two seed Cincinnati was the second largest comeback in NCAA history. Uh, they were down 16 points with about 10 minutes to go. And it's fun, uh, fun to watch these things. It's always a combination of, you know, them doing everything, you know, the, the team behind doing everything right and the team in front doing everything wrong. It's never one or the other. It's always both. And that's exactly what yeah. went on uh, yesterday. Oh, yeah, John, I think that in college basketball, coaching really matters because you see these teams with undersized players. Normally, their seniors been in the program three, four years, five years, some of them that are redshirted. But it makes a difference if they're staying and uh, maturing physically and developing. They may not have the athleticism, but they have the skills to overcome a team with more athleticism. And, you know, they make their shots and they make their free throws. They take charges. They're uh, low on turnovers. They can shoot the three-pointer. They can change defenses, play many styles. And so I I would say when I'm watching a a team where, let's say, Loyola Chicago, is there one player on that team that would start for some of these blue blood programs? Probably not, but they're beating them. Right. Exactly, exactly. And finally, you know, we have, uh, of course, Michigan with their buzzer beater uh, to win on Saturday night. That was incredible. Um, you know, so again, the tournament has just had everything. Of course, the kid Poole, who hit the buzzer beater for Michigan, is a freshman. Um, you know, it's just hard to believe that a year ago he was playing high school basketball, and then he comes on that stage and, you know, hits the buzzer beater to win it. Uh, great stuff. I mean, buzzer beater as in, like, you know, walk-off. Uh <laughs> Truly at the buzzer. So it was great. Um, Great weekend. Yeah, John, I didn't know what might happen in those last three or four seconds with Michigan, but I felt it would be a good play to get an open shot. And it was. Well designed by Coach Beeline. I mean, he's he's an excellent X's and O's type of coach, so I knew that they would have a chance. Of course, no one could know if the shot will be successful, but I knew they'd get a good play to have a game-winning open shot. Right, right, exactly. Well, AP, hard to believe we're at the end of our uh, third segment, so why still have a few more things to get to, as always, so why don't we take a break now, and uh, we'll get uh, finish up on the other side. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine, from the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week. Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Check your feelings at the door and enter the man cave. 
don't let the name fool you because we're here for anybody that wants to talk and listen in. Host J.D. Harris and friends are here to lead the forum from the fans, former players, owners, execs, and coaches. While inside the man cave, you do whatever you like. We won't judge. We'll even go beyond sports to talk technology, current events, and entertainment. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now... Back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I'm your host, John Inglesby. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, noted Alabama media personality who covers the University of Alabama, among many others. And before we get started, my pick of the week for appointment viewing is the NCAA Sweet 16 starting this Thursday? Uh, Friday, it's going to the NCAA East Regional will be up here in Boston. A lot of excitement in town for that. Uh, so, bottom line, another four days of watching great college basketball in front of us starting on Thursday. And uh, yeah, AP. Uh, so we got some pretty good matchups here coming to Boston. Uh, Villanova, West Virginia, and Texas Tech, Purdue. So, uh, looking forward to that. I'm from Pennsylvania, so I've always liked Villanova. And I used to cover the West Virginia University Mountaineers, so I think that has potential to be a marquee game. Yeah, absolutely, John. Those two coaches, heavyweights a long time in, in that profession, Bob Huggins and Jay Wright. And then Texas Tech, a newcomer, getting this far. It's been a while, I think. And then Purdue, they're always a surprise team from the Big Ten. He just, uh, Coach Painter, he just keeps winning ball games and winning conferences, you know, conference titles. So that's a that's a good region. I'm looking at the the Kentucky region. I mean, number five Kentucky, nine Kansas State, seven Nevada, and eleven Loyola. Uh, that's incredible. It's, uh, it's not a one, two, three, or four. So, and it's in Atlanta, which is close to Kentucky. So the the blue will be out in force, the blue nation. But that could be a Cinderella bracket over on that side. With those three teams, uh, you know, having a chance to face Kentucky. Yeah, and if I've got my math correctly, and it's tough to keep it all straight, but I believe Kentucky was the number five seed. They're in the South region. Yes. All the number one seeds yes. got beat. So here they are as now the clear flavor. Am I right about that? Yeah, the, the number one in that region got beat. So the only number ones left are Villanova in the East, Kansas. Uh, and you have uh, those are the only two that, that made it through the uh, couple, first couple of rounds, Kansas and Villanova. So uh, Xavier and uh, Virginia both were defeated. Right, right. But yeah, so I and, and I think, you know, in that region, if I have it correct, the top four seeds were beat. 
Therefore, uh, you know, they're Kentucky at number five is the highest remaining seed. That's it. Yeah, five, nine, seven, and eleven. Right. Pretty crazy. Speaking of crazy, let's talk. Uh, let's switch topics here before uh, where we still have some time left in the show. Can't ignore football. We never do. NFL free agency has been fascinating. I, of course, am up here in New England, uh, 20 minutes from Gillette Stadium as I speak. And, uh, you know, the Patriots, again, made some interesting moves. But, you know, of all the free agent comings and goings, the one that just I didn't see coming that really shocked me was Danny Amendola, Uh, especially given his postseason performance. This year, you know, where he now has, you know, the nickname and has had it for a couple of years, but never more so than this year, because it was sticking finally was Danny playoff. And uh, boy, I, again, didn't see it coming. I was shocked to see him leaving the Patriots. And he was just the first of many departures and arrivals. What did you I mean? Yeah, I mean, he's one of those type of players that when you're looking around the league you're thinking oh he, he's perfect for New England and I don't know if he's going to flourish in another type of system correct it's just fascinating in that you know uh, of course Julian Edelman will be returning but you know coming off a torn ACL non-contact from last year's preseason uh, as we all know well sometimes these injuries take two years to recover from, although he'll, he's certainly on board to come back. And nobody works harder than Edelman, by the way. Uh, if anybody can be back close to his former self, it is certainly Julian Edelman. But nonetheless, you know, Danny Amendola, I mean, that's, he, he is the guy who caught the two fourth-quarter touchdowns in the AFC Championship when they were down 10 to begin the quarter that landed the Patriots in this year's Super Bowl. So, uh Quite the clutch history when you think back to some of those big catches, two-point conversions and whatnot, and the comeback to beat Atlanta in, la- in the previous Super Bowl. Uh, yeah, he had really grown on New England fans and had finally like arrived with his performance in the AFC Championship game. So, again, just didn't see it coming. I, I, frankly, I didn't even know he was a free agent. It just really came out of nowhere. <laughs> right, right, but didn't take the Patriots long. I guess they picked up the uh, Patterson from the Raiders. Oh, yeah. Waited for him. So Danny Shelton from Cleveland. Yeah, so, yeah, so they're, they're making moves. They're not sitting idly by watching players leave their roster. Absolutely not. They never do. Um, hey, you know, speaking of other moves, I mean, Maybe the, the the single most move did not, you know, was the Jets uh, making that just gigantic trade. Uh, what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, John, I, I think that moving from six to three, uh, they must have somebody in mind or have a couple people in mind because there's three or four quarterbacks being mentioned, but I'm not sure if they're a quarterback that can lead you to a, a championship unless you have all the pieces. I mean, you know, the Peyton Mannings of the world or John Elway's Brett Favre where they can just carry a team. I don't know if I've seen, uh, you know, that type of quarterback in this year's draft. Yeah, it's kind of funny. I mean, I think my first thought, AP, was that, you know, 
they have to believe in at least three of those top four quarterbacks by my calculations. In other, in other words, they just said, we don't care which one we get unless they have inside info on who the first two are going to. Like, we yeah. just don't care. Uh, you know, any one of them is great and can be a franchise player. So as long as we, and so we have to get in the top three to get one of the top, one of those three guys that they I clearly have to be identifying as a franchise player. I, I, I see no other way to look at it. I don't know if you agree, but they gave up a boatload, boy. Yeah, yeah, and they have not had success in those lower rounds getting players. I think there's, I heard one offensive Correct. player in the last 22 picks it's, it has any significant playing time or contribution. So their ability to, to spotlight particularly offensive players has been lacking, and I'm trying to be as kind as I can. Exactly, exactly. They were going over some of the players who they gave up a lot of, you know, a lot for to move up in the draft to get. And one they mentioned is a walk down memory lane, Johnny Lamb Jones. Remember that name? Absolutely. The sprinter from the University of Texas. Texas. Yep. And they mentioned one or two others. Sanchez, Mark Sanchez was one. And, you know, say we won about Mark Sanchez, but he was the quarterback on two teams that went to the AFC championship game. Let's not forget that. Um, but yeah, and there's one or two others. So the the Jets have a history of doing this. They really do, but not the greatest history imaginable. No, no, they're in New York. You know, the New York tri-state area. They they make it trying to make these big moves, but they they've never seemed to really. Uh, the last big move that they made, you know, that was successful probably was signing Joe Namath for all that money, four hundred twenty-seven thousand dollars. But these other ones, I. I can't recall when they tried to upgrade in the draft or bring in a player of significance to the free agency. I, I can't recall them being successful, highly, highly successful. Exactly, exactly. And then I hear this morning that uh, Andamakan Sue is, uh, you know, uh, shopping around. I think he was going to be talking with the Seahawks, I believe, the Rams. Of course, the minute I heard Seahawks, I thought, you know, that's a good fit, you know, given their personalities of which strong personalities of which he has one. So we shall see. But I could see him fitting perfectly with the Seahawks. Yeah, I mean, he's a he's a good defensive player. Absolutely, you know, can help somebody. But you have to take that personality as well. Exactly. Wait, P, hard to believe we're at the end of the show. But uh, great job, as always, and appreciate you joining us. Hey, John, it's always my pleasure. Thank you very much. Sure, and as always, thank you all for listening to All Around Sports, and we look forward to doing it all again next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. And we'll talk sports again next week.